Hey, you found us. Welcome to Comfortably Uncomfortable, Not Another Running Story. I'm Megan Fanning, and I'm joined by Sean Meehan. We created this podcast to continue the real conversations that we have when we get outside to run, bike, surf, climb, or whatever it is that you do. We love the real conversations when boundaries come down, because really, that's when it gets interesting. The information in this podcast represents the views and opinions of Zendurance Now Coaching. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical or psychological advice or treatment. We may be right, we may be wrong. Either way, be a solid human. If you're thinking about making questionable decisions, please seek out an appropriate professional. Hey everyone, I hope your summer is going well. Today we have another replay for you. This episode was originally recorded and released on June 20th of 2022, and it's with Marshall Collins, the OG of endurance running, also known as my dad. This was a really fun episode to record My dad has taught me to be as competitive as I am and to be as driven as I am, and he's also taught me the love of storytelling and just how fun things actually get. You know, when we're outside working out, we form bonds and camaraderie that can't be replaced. At the time, uh, Marshall was recovering from COVID, so his his voice was a little rough. So, so you know, you'll hear that a little bit in the episode. But Marshall has some great stories, and we love to share them with you again. And I know I've been asking you this. I'm going to ask you one more time: if you could like and follow our podcast in whatever app um, you use to listen to Comfortably Uncomfortable. It's usually in the top right-hand corner. You just click like and follow. It would also be super helpful if you could just take a moment and give us a great review on your podcast app. And last but not least, please share this with a friend. Our podcast is growing. We've had some great success and these things that you guys can do for us make such a huge difference. So please enjoy this episode. I know we did and let's, uh, let's get comfortably uncomfortable. Hey Sean, what's going on? Not much, Meg. How are you doing today? Pretty good. We have a special guest today. (laughs) We have a special guest. We do. do. I will tell you more. So joining us on the call today is Marshall Collins, also known as my dad and also known as the birthday boy. Today is his birthday. So happy birthday, Marshall. Thank you very much. Happy birthday. (laughs) Thanks, John. And my special, also, my special, my special treat for today is I'm getting over COVID. <laughs> yes, that's right. I was actually, I was actually just going to say that. So you, you don't sound bad at all. I expected you to sound a little more congested or whatever, but it seems you sound, you sound okay. You look okay. Ten days out, so I think we're better. Good, good. Well, so, so we have Marshall on today to just talk running folklore stories and all that kind of stuff. And I got to tell you this morning, I'm driving Maeve to school. Maeve is my youngest. 
And I said, get, I said, you know, your grandfather's going to be on the podcast with me and Sean today. She goes, Oh yeah. She goes, that's good. He's definitely got a lot of running stories. (laughs) (laughs) And then she said, and then she said, make sure to tell him to tell that story about that time that he lost his shoe and a famous guy gave him a shoe for a race. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so that's what, that's what Maeve, that's what Maeve wanted to hear. But, um, but really we have you on just to talk running history and I don't know, whatever, whatever comes up. I think Maeve is right. I think you do, you do have good running stories. Might as well start off with the the lost shoe story. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. He got a little confused. It was the uh, um, a Manchester Thanksgiving Day race in Connecticut, huge race, and a couple, you know, fifteen thousand people, whatever, just under five miles. And I was running the race one year, and actually running pretty well at the time. And the and anyway, I ended up going on the uphill for some stupid reason. I was in the third row and they brought, you know, they brought out the, the killers. So when I reached over one person in front of me, you know, my hand was on Eamon Coglin. And they, uh, but there were people like Ambie Burfoot, you know, also in the race. Anyway, going up the hill to the first hill, you know, the mile mark, I looked and I was behind Ambie. And I said, oh, I'm going too fast. And they, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, yeah, he won it nine times, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, for some stupid reason, I passed him. And the uh, and then I tried to hold him off out the top of the main street, maybe hit around the four-mile mark. He passed me back, and we went all the way down Main Street together. And, the uh, of course, the crowd was going nuts because they know Amy. Well, I'm living large. You know, I'm, I'm soaking off. I'm living vicariously. Finished the race, and I thought, wow, you know. And I finished right behind Ambie Burfoot. And I've known Ambie for years. And they, anyway, and it turns out that he had forgotten his shoes. And so he had to borrow a pair of shoes. So he was running in essentially clown shoes. So I ran the time of my life and he, you know, and he nailed me in clown shoes. So that was sort of the story that Maeve was trying to remember. It, it, it's one of the many things about running when you really learn to be humble, <laughs> get a dose of reality. So- for context, um, let's for people who may not know who is Amby Burfoot. Amby Burfoot won the Boston Marathon. <clears throat> um, one of the really great. I mean, you know, it was the best in the world, and uh, yeah. uh, one of the southeastern Connecticut. Uh, <clears throat> actually, went to Wesleyan, and when he was, I think, a senior, his roommate was Bill Rogers. And also on the team at Wesleyan in Connecticut was Jeff Galloway. So you look at that little school with three absolutely killer runners. I mean, he's a longtime, you know, Mohegan Strider, Southeastern Connecticut runner, and a uh, uh, and just a editor was worked for a long time for Runners World magazine, editors, so forth and so on. Uh, great runner, ran all over the world, and is is a good guy. He's about seventy four or five years old now. And you beat him once. With when he had clown oh, no. shoes on. No, no, I finished, <laughs> I finished right. I finished right behind him. <laughs> oh, well, I was hundred. Be- oh God, yeah. That's where, yeah. I was hundred. Oh yeah. I finished hundred and second in the race, and he only finished like hundred and first or hundred, so right there. But they, uh, <laughs> yeah. My uh, my other dose of reality and humility is when I learned in running 
you don't, I don't care if there are women in the race. And the, the Litchfield Road Race in Connecticut, another big race, uh, brings in, they bring in the Kenyans and, and top runners from all over the world, uh, seven point something miles in June, always hot. They start the race with a cannon, and I didn't know it. It was only about the third or fourth race I'd ever run. And so I'm lined up in this mob of people, <coughs> big race. So the cannon goes off, and I just took off. It scared the hell out of me. So I took off flying, and the first half mile is flat, then you bang a, a left, and it's downhill. Well, I hit the mile mark doing about 520, which was way too fast for me at the time. And just as I hit the mile mark, this woman went barreling by me, and I thought, what the hell? And being really stupid, I thought, well, I can't let a girl beat me. And they, uh, I didn't know anything about racing, so I chased. Well, somewhere around the six-mile mark, I was speaking in tongue. I was absolutely <laughs> cooked. And it turns out that the woman who had gone by me was Patty Catalano, Patty Lyons Catalano, you know, who won several oceans. She was, I think, the first woman to go sub-230 at Boston. I mean, she's you know, a world-class runner. And uh, I she's now living in southeastern Connecticut, and we occasionally get together at different stuff, and I told her the story. She said, yeah, I decided like the day before just to show up and use it as a hard training run. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've learned, you know, another dose of reality of learning to be, you know, humble, and who cares if there are women in the race? Let them go. <laughs> yep, because it sounded like she was going to kick your butt anyway. <laughs> Oh, or all yeah. of our butts, not just you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, my last uh, humility story was the uh, years ago they used to have Runners World used to have the corporate cup, uh, a series of uh, <coughs> a series, you know, of runners races among corporations. Anyway, a guy and I qualified for the nationals, so we went out to Palo Alto. And they had the meeting at Stanford. Well, we ran in the football stadium at Stanford where they played the Super Bowl, giant thing. I probably, I ran the mile in the 10K. So I'm in this heat of the mile and I got out there. It was only the second mile I'd ever run. And I was going to try and run 70 second 400s, which was a little quick for me, but I figured, why not? Gun went off. I ran the first lap in a heat in 70 seconds on the money. I looked, I'm dead last in a field of 14. I said, well, I better bear down. So I started to bear down. I started, of course, to tighten up. And, they, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm 37 years old, and I'm, I'm running on a 440 pace for the mile. And I said, holy crap. Anyway, halfway through the second lap, I heard over the giant PA system, currently in first place, so-and-so, in second place, so-and-so, and currently in third place, this silver medalist and world record holder at the 800-meter wall here. I just started to laugh, you know, thinking, what the hell am I doing on the track with Rick Wall here? And they, uh, I asked a few people, and they, uh, but it, it, that one taught me the benefit of you, know, you got to relax. You know, if you don't relax, it doesn't work. <laughs> but I did start to laugh in the middle of the race thinking, why? I, I'm like the Volkswagen with the Ferrari. You know, I'm the oldest guy out here, I'm one of the biggest guys out here. <laughs> oh, geez, Dad. <laughs> I think, I think no matter, legs. as you say, I think no matter what happens, at some point you're brazenly humbled in, in this sport of running, oh. for sure. Oh, oh. The uh, first time I ran Boston, I had run uh, my first marathon, I had run uh, 345 at Newport the previous November 
I got to Boston and I hit the 24 mile mark <laughs> at 250. And uh, it took me 52 minutes to do the last two miles. And I didn't just, <laughs> hit, the I didn't just hit the wall, it fell on me. <laughs> so that was another dose of uh, reality and uh, humility. Megan, oh, that's, Megan a death, that's a death march. Megan was telling yeah. me you, you have some, some, uh, some thoughts on Boston. Yeah, I mean, it's a, um, what's it, years ago, I took, a, actually, um, I took Megan's oldest, um, Hunter and I and a friend went to hear, Bill Rogers was on a book tour, promoting his book, and he's from Newington, Connecticut. <coughs> Excuse the COVID. So he, uh, I went to the library, and he was just giving a free talk, and so we listened to him talk about his book. And afterwards, I was talking to him, and I, you know, and I, and I asked him the question: How come there were so many, you know, people that won Boston, all from that little triangle, you know, from, from Boston to Connecticut over to Rhode Island? Because you think about it, you had Johnny Kelly, the elder, who won a couple, won a couple of times, Tarzan Brown, Narragansett Indian from Rhode Island, uh, Johnny Kelly, the younger, Amby Burfoot, uh, Bill Rogers from Newington. Um, and if you really want to even stretch a little bit, you know, I mean, Alberto Salazar spent time as a kid in Manchester and then ended up in Central Mass somewhere. So he's got a Massachusetts connection. All these runners. Why from that little area did you have so many that were the best in the world? And, and Roger's comment to me was interesting. He said, it's because we train in the winter. You know, he said heat kills. And uh, and, he, and he's right. I mean, you know, you, you do those long stupid, awful training runs in the dead of winter, and you don't tend to pull stuff. You build up this great base. Uh, but, you know, you run hard. I mean, I always find, you know, you do a hard training run, and I did run, you know, some summer marathons and some fall marathons where you got to train in the hot weather. But you do that, and you go out on a 20-miler or 20-plus mile run, and no matter what you're running in, you're going to be wasted the next day, and you're not – in, if you're doing it in the heat, you can come back in the cold. So it was a, I thought it was fascinating that he, that he said that. So, uh, he thought it was about the cold, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah. He says, you know, you, if, if you train hard, just hard in the heat, it just kills you. I mean, it, it takes an extra day to recover when hmm. you do a hard workout, just work out in the heat. Hmm. Coming. Yeah. And that was also before the, all the Africans, um, that that started running too, right? Yeah, but they're also, but they also, you know, again, it's something that they grew up with, you know. They, you know right, right, right. Well, it wasn't talking about heat versus cold, but just mean it meant it was meaning like before they all came on the scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and Boston is is Boston, and it's I always it's not my favorite marathon. Uh, it's one if you're going to run a marathon, you got to do it. And the uh, it's it's really a kick, but it's there are a lot of them. The why way they why don't you like it, Marshall? Um, Megan said you thought it was pretentious. <laughs> yeah, it, it's there's a lot of them that take better care of you. you know, but this is one you know if the if the Olympic ideal is it's you know what's important is taking part. I mean, Boston tells you, <clears throat> excuse me, you know you got to qualify for this thing. So here, you know, I mean, here I was one year running 252s and 254s and marathons, and they said, oh, you, you're not qualified. 
but they let some guy that raises, you know, if you belong to the BAA or the, you're a doctor, you get in for free, you know, you can get in. And that just, I thought, I got guys running five and six hours and they get to run. I didn't, so I just said, you know, I'm not running this anymore. And they, uh, I did it five times and that was, that was enough. Other race, other marathons take better care of you. And, uh, uh, and logistically Boston is a challenge with the point to point as well. Boston is a, is a hard marathon to run. I've run it twice. Um, and that downhill start will eat you up every time. (laughs) Yeah. The, uh, the year that it took me 52 minutes to do the last two miles, it was about 70, 75 degrees, not a cloud in the sky, nice little breeze. It was really what a wonderful day to run, I thought. And I ran the first 10 miles with a guy from Wales, this Welshman, and I understood about every third word of what the guy was saying. And we're chatting away. <laughs> I hit the 10-mile mark. I don't know, Natick, Framingham, somewhere in there. And I had a PR for 10 miles, and I thought, well, I don't care. I feel good. <laughs> and it does. It, you know, you get that downhill and you feel like a hero. And all of a sudden you get to the Newton Hills and it's one of these that who put the piano on my back. And, uh, yeah. Of I've course. A, I've experienced that twice. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I got and I got uh, through the half marathon this last year in just about PR time. And I was like, oh, that's that's spells disaster come the second half. And yeah, it's, yeah, it yeah. certainly yeah. did. It's not a race for a uh, uh, for a rookie. Uh, it's it really is a race that requires some real experience. But that you know, it, it just I, again uh, something like the Marine Corps Marathon. Uh, they take much better care of you. Scenic, uh, huge crowds. I, I like that much better. Yeah. You know, I haven't done as well there, but the uh, uh, um, it's just a better a better race. The the one thing I will say about Boston of all the marathons that I've been to is that it has right because of the qualifying standard aside from charity runners and that it has probably the fittest group of runners they like you go through you go through the like expo and it's like everyone looks like they are meant to be there (laughs) which is which is not the experience when you go to other marathons elsewhere so even the marine corps marathon which i liked i remember the first time i ran it i went down with a good friend of mine who's a killer runner and he was coming off an injury we weren't in great shape and we said you know let's Let's go now. We'll run the thing, and and you know when we get to the 18 mile mark, if we feel good, you know we'll take a shot and come in just under three hours. Otherwise, you know we'll just mail it in. So we got to the start of this thing, and, and the uh, and they call the People's Marathon or used to anyway. The, they used to call the Marine Corps Marathon the People's Marathon because mm-hmm. something like half the people that run it, it's their first marathon. So the gun went off, and we started right where we should, right at the back of the like two. 255 to 259 corral and they uh, and the first eight miles until i went across the key bridge into georgetown i was running behind fat ladies in gray flannel sweatsuits we were it was it was only go at the eight mile mark that we got to run below nine minutes a mile for the first time and then we tried to pick it up you know and you know needless to say by about 18 miles i was speaking in tongue again and i told my friend you go ahead <laughs> You can't. It is. It's a. It is the the fit the the fitness level of the people in Boston is remarkable, uh, but it, it is what it is. It's a. When I ran the Marine Corps, I remember at the very beginning. It's a nice start. There was. Yeah, I did get caught behind a, a lot of people, but there was a couple in front of me, 
and one had a shirt on that said in and the other had a shirt on that said love and they ran the marathon. They were intending, I don't know, I passed them. They were intending on running the marathon holding hands and they held hands the entire race. So yeah, I, I, I went yeah. by them. I was like, I, I don't like anybody that much to, to be holding hands at them for a marathon. You didn't go right through them to break up their hand holding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I should have. A, I should. I, I <laughs> as a, uh, um, I remember going to one of Megan's cross country meets, but <laughs> the old Fort Shantock, which is where Mohegan Sun Casino is now. And she was in high school, and and there was a spot where they ran it. It was a pretty tough little course, you know. And there was a spot yeah. where they ran into a drainage ditch. Yep. Ran down it, and it was all overgrown. And she was duking it out with this other girl, and the, uh, and you know, she went into the thing, you know, uh, ahead of this girl, and she came out, and she, and the other girl was no longer in sight, and apparently the other girl had elbowed her ahead of her. So when they came up, back up this drainage chute, uh, half pipe almost, the uh, Megan sort of just pushed the girl out of the chute through the brush. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> saw it. And I, I, the other girl was nowhere in sight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised you didn't go through yeah, that don't, couple. Don't, el don't elbow me. I do, have a, <laughs> I, do have a, I do have a bit of a temper. So, yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. Do you have any other good Megan stories? Megan doesn't tell a lot of her running stories, especially from back uh, in those days. No, she was, yeah, I mean, she used to fall down a lot until she got her contacts. We couldn't figure out why did she <laughs> always trip and cross country? You know, she couldn't see. I mean, she finally got contacts. She yes. stopped falling down. And they, uh, and they, that was a big know. issue, the yeah. falling. It still, it still kind of is, but in a much different setting. <laughs> if I could have done a gene splice between my, my two kids, the, yeah, you know, I mean, Megan actually had pretty good speed, and my son uh, never liked to do speed work, but just could run forever, you know, and he, uh, without a lot of training, and he, uh, uh, somehow you needed to mix the two, and you would have had a really killer runner. Growing up, I always felt like Randy, that's my brother, um, had more natural talent, Uh where he wouldn't, you know, where he wouldn't have to train and, and he'd be able to, you know, cover the distances. But yeah. I learned pretty quickly that I worked harder than he did. Um, oh, yeah. And that is, as long as I worked harder than he did, um, I'd always be faster, you know? So yeah. I, I got it. And I've, and I've talked to my kids about that too. It is really frustrating when you see somebody with natural ability uh, because frankly, we just want what they have. We want it to be easier. We want it to hurt less. We want it yeah. to be more comfortable, but it's, it's almost irrelevant if that person's not going to work hard. And I'm not implying that, that Randy, Randy doesn't work hard, you know, talking, you know, just talking to my kids about this stuff and just saying, don't worry about it. Somebody has natural talent. That's great. Just, just keep, just keep chugging, just keep moving forward. And eventually, you know, your training will pay off. I tell kids the, uh, and you know, tell a lot of kids and stuff that I've sort of coached and tried to help out. You know, and I told them, you know, you don't want to wake up at 37 years old and wonder, I wonder how good I could have been if I'd applied myself when I was younger. I said, give it a shot, you know, and the worst thing that happens is, you know, okay, you don't hit your goal or whatever, but if you know you gave it your best, and that's the, you know, uh, I mean, I, you know, I didn't run at all in high school, uh, zero. And I didn't start running again until 
in my first year in law school, you know, and I had gained like, you know, 40 pounds. Uh, I couldn't run a mile without having to stop and walk. And little by little, I built it up and, and, uh, and found out, yeah, I actually had, had you know, it was a decent runner. They, uh, uh, you know, I'd be in the second pack and a lot of the, I mean, Southeastern Connecticut running is, is just vicious. I mean, we have, we've always had really tough, tough runners uh, in this area, nationally ranked. And the, uh, you know, I mean, I would run some great times and win nothing, uh, you know, but I still ran some good times, but I still, it sits in the back of my mind. You know, I wonder what I could have done if I, you know, hadn't partied my way through college and all that sort of, and I didn't run at all. And I didn't run a foot in college or anything like that. I mean, it just started again to, to keep myself from going crazy and found out, gee, I actually like this distance stuff, you know? And, uh, yeah. You, so you, you started us, you started us running really early. Those, um, but I always cite the first race that I remember doing, I was six years old and it was those Colchester uh -huh. fun runs. Yeah. Is that, that's what it was, right? Down at, down at oh, yeah, the, yeah. was it the yeah, elementary the school? school? How, I, in, in, what did we run a mile? Did we do an 800? I don't even remember. Do you? I've been a mile on, on the track, you know, this little crushed stone track at the time, but they, yeah. I didn't believe in, you know, I didn't believe in little kids running races. Uh, I really didn't. And they, uh, <laughs> um, I've just seen so many so, kids. So what happened? <laughs> well, I didn't and I, you I did like 18 zillion races as a kid. Yeah, but <laughs> that was later on. I mean, later on, I remember the first race I took you guys to was the uh, Strides for the Handicap down at... Oh, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, I remember that race. It was a 5K. Mm -hmm. And I told the kids, if you want to run it, you got to train. But I said, it's not going out with me to run. You got to go out on your own because I didn't want to sit there and, and, you know, drag a kid out there saying, come on, you got to go, you got to go. I and mean, running's hard, you know, and, and I can't tell you how many kids we've seen that have had just that were killers, killers in high school and get done with high school and never ran again. Yep. You know, it, it is something you want your kids to do all their life. And they, uh, yeah, and they, uh, but, you know, too many of these little kids, people push these little kids into running too hard, too fast, too long, and just let them have fun. You know, and they, uh, but, and get them exposed. Our, you know, my son has a six-year-old boy. He has two boys, one six. And the, uh, and they have a, they live in West Hartford and they have a really nice uh, youth running program. And he's taken him to it the last two years. Well, this last summer, the little guy ran six, I mean, he ran, he ran three miles on the track. And, and Randy was trying to pull him off, saying, no, no, Jackson, come on, you, you don't have to go that far. And he said, no, no, I want to do 12 laps. And he wasn't just, you know, poking along like a, a six-year-old normally. He run, was running at a decent pace, but he um, he doesn't push him into running. Uh, he lets him try all these different sports. He plays hockey and all this other stuff. And, I, you know, it's, so we'll see if he sticks to running or if he decides to, do, to swim or do something else, we'll see. But just exposing a kid to fitness uh, is so important. Make it a way of life, which we did with our the, guys. And the way we do. grew up, though, we didn't we didn't know there was <laughs> anything different. We went to races every weekend, whether we were doing it or you were doing it or we were going to the cookout afterwards. And this yeah. is where um, yeah. I didn't realize the running royalty 
that as kids that we were hanging around with because uh, they're just grown ups at the at the picnic with a beer. I mean, that's all. That's all. That's all we know. We didn't. We didn't care at at all. But we didn't realize that we were surrounded by all these people. And still to this day, I might name drop somebody from a, you know, from a picnic or you know, talking about you know Kelly's pace, you know, the the store and going to get our shoes there, and forget. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, we, yeah. we grew up, we grew up with these legends and it, I guess we were taught that this is a way of life. And I think, I think that we've done that. Sean's done it. I know we've done it with our family that this is what your parents do. You know, this is, this is just how it is and you don't have to do it, but you know, sometimes the kids come to the races, sometimes they don't. Um, do you remember, Marshall, when I did that Litchfield Hills triathlon, remember you and I went out and rode the course beforehand, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. um, yeah. By the way, that was the fastest I think I've ever gone on my bike. Remember we went 57 <laughs> miles an hour. I was, yeah. I was on your, I was on your wheel yeah. down, downhill. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah. my kids were at that race and that was the first ever Olympic distance triathlon I ever did. Litchfield Hills. So when a race has the word uh -huh. hills in it, yeah, yeah, you should be uh -huh. warned. It was freaking yeah. awful, <laughs> brutal, yeah. brutal, brutal. And anyway, so when I finished, honestly, I just wanted to cross the finish line and just go sit at a tree in the shade and just be by myself. And I don't know, it just cry, laugh, scream. I, it was such an accomplishment. And I remember I went through the finish shoot <laughs> and Hunter and Shay met me, my, my, my son and my daughter met me in the finish shoot. And I thought they were going to be like, yay, mom, go you. You're so awesome. And I, and I got, she ate the last jelly donut. Will you make her give me that jelly donut? <laughs> give me that donut. That's not fair. Mom, mom. And I was like, I looked at them and I was like, and I actually, I saw <laughs> Bill, my husband, and I went, get them away from me before I kill them. I mean, I was so <laughs> like, like they, the kids, because this is how they grew up, it's no big deal. Same thing yeah, with yeah, us. Yeah. We grew up around this stuff. People do races. The kids didn't give a crap that I, I'd climbed all this, all, you know, all this distance and run my heart out and done this triathlon. Didn't care. They just wanted yeah. me to solve the jelly donut argument. Oh man, I was so mad. You know, it's so you know mad. what Sean said, you know, you go to Boston and you see all these incredibly fit people and they, uh, you go to all these road races, you know, in New England and they, uh, especially Southeastern Connecticut, Rhode Island, et cetera. You know, and they, again, you don't realize that these guys are killers and generic guys, male and female. And they, uh, but it's, and you just, you just used to hanging around people like that. So it does, I mean, they may all be nuts, you know, and they, <laughs> there are a few whack jobs, you know, among runners, of course, with the uh, little eccentric, et cetera. But, you know, they, again, you're just exposing kids to, well, yeah, this is just, this is a, a healthier way to do it. And you can actually have a good time. You know, you work hard and have a good time. And yeah, there are a lot of, there are just so many, so many good races, you know, in Connecticut. I mean, the Kelly race down at Ocean Beach in New London, it's still the, no, it's still the only free race. I know it's a giant race, and I think it's a half marathon now. It used to be. Wait a minute, business. they don't charge? No, it's they bring. Free? Yeah, food donation. Yep. Oh. Huh. And it used to be, it used to be <laughs> way back when they first started, they used to run the stupid thing at noontime, you know, in August. And the. Uh, I remember that, yes. And the course is a death march, and they, uh, there's mm -hmm. no, not a lot of shade. 
Yeah, but Schaefer Beer sponsored the thing when you could have beer at races and stuff like that. And there were just, I mean, just see, everybody showed up for a free race, free beer, you know, and they, uh, and you just ran incredible times. You had the the Rose Arts race in Norwich was another big one. Used to bring big people in. You got Manchester and Litchfield. Um, the Block Island race used to be a big race and used to get good people. Uh, that's since gone, by the way. But the uh, there were just a lot of them. Uh, never mind, you know, Providence, all the races up towards Boston. When you go, and it, what struck me was I went on a, I can remember, you know, when I was getting, when I turned 40, I thought to myself, you know, you know, I was, yeah, the last couple of years, 38, 39, you know, you start to get nagging little injuries because, you know, we didn't do, we never did cross training and who needed rest or anything like that. You just ran. <laughs> A lot of little injuries, and in uh, so I said, I'll just take it easy for about a year or so and come back, you know, and really try and peak when I'm 40 so I can start slipping into winning stuff in the, the master's category. There's a, there's a, there, so I found on my birthday, it was on my 40th birthday, and there was a, a little race, 4.4 miles, the Basra Moose Lodge run. I mean, I figured this, and it was on a Thursday night. I said, this is great. I'm going to slip in. You know, nobody will be there. I got there. There's like three to 400 runners there. Every good, stupid master's runner in Eastern Connecticut <laughs> and Rhode Island was there. I ran a great time, finished ninth in my age group. You know, and I, and I just, I was so depressed, <laughs> but that's just the way, I mean, the runners that we had down here, it's you know, just a, that was the peak period. I mean, you know, I mean, I was running, you know, 548 a mile for the Kelly race and Rose Arts, long races in the heat, 548 a mile pace and winning nothing. You know, that was uh, now some of those times, you know, it's different, but uh, it was fun. You just, you got used and you had a good time besides. There's still there's still definitely some killers coming out of Connecticut, right? The two um the two Sherry kids coming out of West Hartford, out oh, of Connard. Yep. yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The they, uh, they just went what one and two in um indoor nationals in the two mile, I think, is, is what yep, they did. Something like that, yeah. And what they what do was their time? The, I don't know. But I mean I think they went out to San Diego in the nationals and the cross country thing. And I think they were like first and third or something like yeah. that. And then, I mean, they're just, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. really, they will see, you know, that it's that big, we've had a lot of really killer high school runners and a number of them haven't, hasn't translated into college just because all of a sudden you double the distance, you know, and they, uh, and they're not used to that. And the body, a lot of them get hurt. Uh, it really takes a good coach to, one of the, I mean, maybe the, maybe the best runner ever to come out of Connecticut, uh, Liz Mueller, high school kid. Liz Mueller, I mean, I think for four years in a row, she was the state open cross country champ in New England several times, uh, won the nationals. I mean, she was just. And she, she was, was she, she was two years younger than me. I think so. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Do you remember? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah, she was in Randy's driver's ed class together. But they, uh, she, uh, she ran like a, she loved to track. And she, uh, I think she ran like a 204, 800 as a high school kid. I mean, that was, and the, the women that were qualifying at the time for the Olympic team, for the U.S. team, were running 202s, two flat, something like that. So 
she was right there. Uh, but she got the, I mean, she just basically had, sort of had a meltdown and uh, she got offered a scholarship to go run at Providence College. And Ray Tracy offered her the, uh, the scholarship and she said, well, I don't want to run cross country. I only want to do track. And he said, well, I can't give you a full scholarship. So she said, no, I'm not going to do it. She eventually came back and found a coach to let her run on her schedule, pick the meets that she wanted, Central Connecticut. In fact, Megan, she ended up uh, uh, rooming with Megan Smith, your old friend from Colchester, Megan Smith. Oh, she did? Huh. Yeah, and they uh, she ran for like a year or so out there and then just stopped running altogether as a professional, became a professional boxer. In the, uh, mm -hmm. in the, I remember that, yeah. It's just, you know, so many kids just get cooked and, you know, just can't handle it, you know, that, that big jump shot. And it's a, you know, so we'll see how the Sherry kids do. They, uh, you wish them well, but boy, they are good. They are really good. Yeah, and then you know, and then the boy from uh, I forget what his name is. The guy from Manchester, the kid from Manchester, also is is top Aiden five Puffer. in the country. Yeah, yeah, Aiden Puffer. He's a kid that's been pushed, you know, early as a little kid. I'll be surprised if he physically holds together. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he. I think he's an overachiever compared to the Cherries. I mean, the Cherries have got the better body type, and the. Uh, uh, Puffer is really good, but boy, he's been running big races as a little kid for a long time. Really? Yeah, we'll see how long he can hold up. I, I, I hope he does well. And they, uh, you know, do with all of them. Uh, great opportunity. Sean and I get called sadistic a lot from our athletes. Um, Sam, our other coach, I, he's the nice one, I think. But <laughs> even though even though Sean and I are called sadistic, I think one of the pieces about is endurance now coaching is we all really push our athletes that they have to have fun. If you're not enjoying it, it's it's just not worth it. And you you got to enjoy the training as well as the race and not every day is a good day. I mean, you have, you have good runs, you have bad runs and you just gotta, yeah. you just gotta be able to roll with it. But ultimately it's, if you don't like it, it's, you just won't last. And it just becomes, it just becomes another job and another thing you have to do. When you run, uh, I mean, running, you're alone. I mean, yeah, you're running a group and it's social and you talk to people when you're running and, and, and that kind of stuff, but it's, it's basically, it's just you. I mean, it's, it's not like, well, I didn't win because so-and-so didn't pass me the ball, you know, or, you know, I never got a chance to get up in the last inning because so-and-so struck out or whatever. It's just you. And again, it's what goes on between your ears. And the, uh, I, I laugh and I tell people that <clears throat> at every single race and a lot of training runs too, you know, you, you start, you're talking to yourself and you hear those little voices and you're running along and you get in a race, you know, you may get to, and you get some point in the race, you know, we're, oh, this is really hard. And one little voice says, okay, mail it in. This isn't worth it. Just back off and run in and enjoy it. The other little voice says, no, 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 go for it. Puke on your shoes, push. And most of the time, the little mail it in voice wins. But every now and then, the little voice that says, push, you know, go for it. And that's when you have a breakthrough periodically. And, uh, uh, but it is, it's such a, it's, I don't know too many really good, stupid runners. You gotta be fairly smart to be a decent, <laughs> um, you know, it's a, cause it's such that a, is a good point. Yeah. It's such a head game. And it's a, you know, you can, 
you can be in really great shape. And if you do something stupid, you know, like set a PR for the first 10 miles in Boston and wonder why the wall fell on you. I mean, you know, you, you can absolutely blow up. And then other times you, you, you play it smart. There's, there was a, there's a really good race, um, uh, the Narragansett 10 miler down in the, on the coast of Rhode Island. It's another one of these July, late July, early August runs. And it's like it's six o'clock on a Friday night. It's a 10 mile run. Pretty flat down there, but really, really hot. And I can remember running it one year and there's another guy that runs through the Mohegan Striders. And he and I would always duke it out. And I knew how he raced. And the, uh, he would always go out slow and then come by me. You know, he would, it would come by me in the middle of the race. You know, and most of the time people would give up. Anyway, I decided this day I wasn't going to let him do that. And they, uh, sure enough, I started out at my usual pace. And sure, about three miles into the race, he comes blissing by me. And I decided we're going to have some fun today. So I passed him right back. And they, he kind of was startled and looked, what the hell? And they, we went back and forth for about the next five miles. In the heat, just hammering one, one surge after another. I'd pass him. He passed me, and we both knew what each other was doing. And they, uh, but I tucked in behind him, and going up that long stretch, Megan, that you, you take to get to the ferry at Block Island, going up that road in zero shade and the heat. And I'm behind him, and I'm thinking to myself, damn, you know, I got maybe one more surge left in me. This is brutal. How's he doing this? And I looked, and I realized his shoe was starting to come untied. So I just waited. <laughs> I waited. Sure enough, he had to pull over to tie his shoe. Oh, he even pulled over to tie in his shoe. I threw in that one last surge, just hammered. And, of course, he couldn't catch up. He caught me after the race with beer and hot dogs and stuff like that. He, and he said, you son of a bitch. I knew exactly what you were going to do. And he said, I couldn't do anything about it. He had to tie his shoe. And they, <laughs> that, that comes down to the... You know the the fun part. It was really hard, uh, but you got to be smart. And there's so many variables. You know, just to, you know, I slipped one year at Marine Corps. Uh, I had come. <laughs> this is one of my one of my the lore of my running club. They uh, they ask a trivia question. They actually posted it on the chalkboard at, at bars up in Boston. Who's the only person in the history of the Mohegan Striders to lose a race to Oprah Winfrey? And the, uh, and I, I'm the answer to that one. The, uh, I had popped a calf muscle. I had popped a calf muscle. Um, Here's where the excuses come in, but the bottom line is Oprah I mean, beat you. Uh, I should have, you know, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have run Marine Corps, but I figured I'm going to do it. It was uh, beginning of October. It was more or less dinner. So I ran the stupid thing. Well, the year I ran it, it was just a torrential downpour oh, the whole way. And uh, probably about 60, 65 degrees. So it was pretty comfortable, actually. And I like running in the rain. So I'm running, well, running through Georgetown. You know, I stepped, I ran through a puddle and slipped. There was a manhole cover under it. It slipped and popped that muscle again. And by the time I got to the, you know, the Lincoln Memorial, you know, I couldn't run up the little ramp, uh, you know, to, that they had set up to avoid the steers. And they, uh, so I walked off the course at the 18-mile mark. I was an hour ahead of Oprah. But to her credit, <laughs> she stuck it out. And she finished in like four and a half hours or something ridiculous. I mean, something very slow. But to this day, I become, yeah, 
I'm the only person to lose a race <laughs> over with. <laughs> so all those stories, like back in the day, like there's a, there's a lot of like grit and like hard, <laughs> like hard running in those stories. Now, what's, what are your thoughts like on the current state of running? I feel like a lot of it's like social running. is very soft. Do you, do you have thoughts on all that? Yeah. And I don't think, you know, there, uh, there aren't as many people because there are so many options. I mean, people do cross training, people do triathlons, people are into bike. We never did any of that stuff. I mean, if you were going to, do stuff you ran and now i mean if, if you're not gonna if you want to be a really good runner and really hammer it you, you gotta run you gotta race it's not just you gotta get into shape but you have to learn how to race and there's, there's a difference between being able to, to run and being able to race um one of my uh, uh one of my really good friends nationally ranked uh hey man, Masters runner and holds masters records on a bunch of courses around Holyoke, up in Massachusetts, Block Island, a lot of places. He said I, he was coming off an injury one time and he was running with me. He said, oh, "I'll run slow with you." Jesus, guys, I mean, we killed each other. And he uh, and uh, and he said, "You know what?" He said, "It's just as competitive back here." And he said, "If you're up in the lead pack, because he won a lot of races, he said you make one mistake and you lose." You get in that second pack, and you can make a mistake because everybody else is going to make one. And and you go farther in the pack, and you, when you get towards the back, you can make two or three mistakes, and so is everybody else. And, and so it's part of that grittiness. You have to understand that. And you have to understand that, you know, we got to <laughs> we got to the, the seven-mile mark in the, the Block Island race, which is really hilly, really hot. And... Uh, and uh, he says, okay, it's time for us to go. This is when he was running with me with an injury. And they, uh, and I said, yeah, but I got nothing left. And he looked at me and he called me bad names. And he said, yeah, <laughs> he says, so is everybody else. Everybody else, but this is the time. He said, you know, when you put the hurt on people, because most people will give up and fade. Didn't have that grit that you're talking about, Sean. And it's, a, you know, you, you can't do it all the time. Again, as I said, some days, you know, the little voice that says go for it works, you know, and they, uh, um, most of the time it doesn't. But if you, you know, if you, if you're willing to pay the price, it's really, I mean, how, I mean, it's just a, you know, you don't need other people. You don't need, you know, you can just go run. You can walk out your door wherever you are and go for a run. Uh, you know, I run all over the country and just, uh, some of those ad hoc, you know, last minute training runs or just, just going out for a run, you know, is to see stuff, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. I was, I remember being in Switzerland and uh, we were, I got up in the morning and I'm going out for a run and I said, okay. So I ran down this dirt road and I looked off through the brush and there's this deserted castle watchtower. I said, how cool is this? I sort of poked through the brush and poked around and looked at it and just something you just see, you know. Uh, I remember running through Vienna at sunrise and uh, running up through the old part of town, through the state park, through this park, and then through the center of town, up to the banks of the Danube as the sun rose. Uh, how many times, you know, or running at the Grand Canyon and watching the sunrise? I mean, how often do you get to see that? And it does, you know, it, it's a little work. Uh, 
it's a lot of work, but still, if you do it right, pretty damn rewarding. And, and it's the stick to it part. You know, I think people, runners today, I think expect, they, I think they jump to distance too fast, too soon. Um, and I mean, when I started running again in law school, like I said, I couldn't run a mile. And I remember I'd be out on the track and I'd get to a certain point and, uh, and I'd have to stop and walk. Well, I just remembered, okay, the next day when I went out, the next time I went out to run, I remember where that spot was on the track. And I said, all I got to do is run another 10 yards. And you just keep extending it that way rather than, I mean, you think of all these people that jump from, seems to be the trend now, oh, I want to do a half. And, and it's too much. And uh, do it gradually, you don't get hurt, and it's a lot more enjoyable. And then, of course, the people that can run a half, and they say, oh, now I'm going to run a marathon. Yeah, right. They <laughs> <laughs> have no clue. It doesn't nothing. Stuff doesn't start to, as you know, stuff doesn't start to happen until 18 miles or so when you burn off all the sugar, you know. So it's a, yeah, there's not a lot of, yeah, it, it, it's just a, there's a lot of different options for exercise now, and they, uh, a lot of them good, and, uh, and people don't race as much, I don't think, and they do 5Ks, and who cares? I mean, yeah. a 5K, you can go out and drink beer the night before and still run a 5K the next day. You know, you, could, you can't do that with, you know, 10Ks and 10 miles if you're going to push. We, um, so, I mean, coming from, I come from a swimming background and then have progressed in running into the yep. uh, ultra marathons. So, and my progression was very slow. It's very similar to you. Like, later in life, yep. I like, I like came into it and I was like, I can't run a mile now. Right. So like, yeah. how am I, how am I going to do this? And then, um, found out that I really just liked being alone in the woods and running long distances. Right. Yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts on ultra marathons and the trail racing that has grown up over the past probably 10 or so I wish years? I, two different things. And I really, I wish I had known about trail racing and which there was a lot of trail racing back when I was running hard. I, you know, I probably, you know, I might have, you know, a knee lift and stuff like that. You know, the, uh, we never ran, we didn't do trips. You just ran, you pounded on the pavement. And the, uh, 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 I love trail racing. Once I started doing it, I thought this is, you know, and I'm, you know, I've never exactly been a rhythm runner. I was always, you know, more of a strength runner. And the, uh, so the trail part, you know, came, that was, that was pretty good. And the, uh, the ultra part is different. Megan and I have had this discussion, and it's, I don't think my impression, and I've never run five steps past marathon distance, and I said, ain't no way, my head's not going to do it, but I always raced every one of my marathons, except for one. Uh, uh, there's only one that I, that I didn't race, and uh, a friend wanted to do his first marathon, he asked me if I'd run the first 20 with him, and I said, oh, sure. And I got into it and I said, what the hell? I'm going to run 20. I might as well run 26. And I took him through. And the, uh, but I've always raced him. And it's a, there's a big, I never got the feeling that you race an ultra. You know, you're, you're <laughs> yeah. running against yourself. You're running against yourself. You race. Trust me. You race. You have to race. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, but there's, that's, but there's that's where my competitive that, fire comes out. But that's different because most of the time you don't see people. A lot of times you're solely by yourself in that race, the road races and stuff. You're 
even some of the shorter trail races, there's people around you all it de- the Yeah, time. it depends on, it totally depends on the race. I've had races, yeah. I think Sean would probably be in the same position. I've had races uh, when I've been surrounded the entire time, and I have races that I've been alone for like three days in a yeah. row, basically. I just never, I just never got into the, the ultra thing. I just never had a desire to do that, but the, uh, but, you know, the, uh, the trail running, man, I, yeah, that was really like a, one of my favorite stories about trail running was there's a there's a really neat trail run down in Connecticut called Bimbler's Bash. And they build this thing as the longest 10K you'll ever run. And I remember running it the first time, and it's really quite technical. I mean, you think it should be flat down near the coast. But it's not. There's a lot of you know. It's, it's you know, and you got some scrambling over rocks and almost climbing, and it's really hard. Anyway, I got to what should you know. And when I run a trail race, I figure, okay, I'll just keep track of my time. I said I know I should be in at this kind of time. So I have, that's the way I figure out about how far I am in the course. Anyway, I got to what should have been around the, the six mile mark, and it was supposed to be 10k. There was nowhere near the finish line. I think it was probably a good 7.8 miles or something. So I came staggering into the finish line, and it was at a school. And I'm all getting right to the top of the chute, and there was here uh, they had a soccer. It was at a school. There was a soccer field up on the other side of the the finish chute, and the, uh, there was this young mom taking her two little girls had those little soccer uniforms on. And she had her dog, Porter Collie, on a leash, and they're going. She's walking across the top of the chute, and I'm, and I'm, I'm shot. Uh, I mean, watch out, watch out. I'm telling her, watch out, because I didn't want to trip over her dog in the leash. So she just stopped. She sort of froze. So I got close, close enough, and the dog must have thought that I was coming for the kids, and the dog lunged and bit me in the ass and ripped a big <laughs> chunk. <laughs> out of my butt. And I'm standing there at the top of the chute and the blood is running down my leg big time. And of course, the <coughs> the lunatics who I, uh, from my running club who were running with me, a couple of them had already finished and they're yelling at me, Marshall, you idiot, finish the race. Oh, yeah. So I crossed the finish line then went back to deal with the woman and this. Well, <coughs> they have pictures next year for the for the race they had pictures online of the finishers and there i am standing there mud and blood and the blood streaming down my leg but my my wonderful mohegan strider teammates and so forth said you know isn't it amazing how a dog can sense who the lawyer is and they know who to bite (laughs) (laughs) but i love running trails it's a um i ran a there's a nice trail run in a burlingame state forest in Rhode Island, uh, around Thanksgiving, and uh, I ran it one year, and and Randy, Megan's brother, was running in high school at the time, and he had finished his season, so he ran it with me, and he and I and the Southern woman, and we were all in pretty good shape then, and they uh, were duking it out, and there's a spot where you run across some snaking logs across a mudflats, and the uh, and I had run the race before, so I knew get on the logs. So I just threw in a little surge to get on the logs first. Well, Randy and this woman splashed alongside through the skunk cabbage and the mud and all this. And halfway through, I, from right behind me, I heard this, oh, damn, splash, splash. And the two of them had, yeah, hit a deep spot. And just, it was 
and I looked in the cupboard with mud, and so I threw in naturally threw in a surge <laughs> to open up a bunch of distance. <laughs> well, with about a half a mile to go, <laughs> my son pulls up alongside me, gives me that evil look, and says, "How's it going, old man?" And just destroyed me. <laughs> but trails are fun. I would. Uh, I wish. You know. I, I encourage people to do more trails, and the uh, uh, ultras will continue to have a a difference of opinion on ultras is, you know, you, you definitely have never been supportive of, of ultra running. But with that said, you're, you're the one that taught, taught me how to run on the trails. It, you know, especially, you know, cause as a kid, we always played, you know, we always played in the woods behind our house. So we were all, we were already running back there anyway, but then, um, we started running the trail, you know, at the top of rattlesnake ledge road. And we used to do that little run down by the cemetery that we can't, we can't go there anymore. You know, that trail, what's it's Hagen, Hagen road. Yeah. Hagen road. We used to do that loop. Yeah. So so really that's what, that's what got it started. And I think that was the transition from I'm a kid and I'm running in the woods all day and we're just <laughs> running around and playing to, Hey, I could do this. I could do this for a long time, or I could do this for days or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever I've done. But that's, I think yeah. parents now, I don't know, I'm not this way, but parents now might be nervous to send their kids out in the woods by themselves um, I know our kids go out in the woods by themselves and we just tell them to stay on the trail. I don't even think you told us to stay on the trail. I don't think you, I don't think you really cared. I think you figured, well, you'll end up somewhere because <laughs> Salem's not the, that big. <laughs> one of the, one of the really interesting things I found out, I remember running my first trail race, that thing in Rhode Island I was talking about one time I ran the thing. And the next day, I woke up and I said, "What the hell is wrong with me? My hips were killing me <laughs> because of the, you know, every foot plan is different, the side to side, which you don't get when you run on the road. You run on the road, it's just forward and back. And they also learn that, okay, on a downhill in a road race, you know, you can accelerate and recover if you're doing it right. You know, if you, if you think about it, you can relax, you can you can open it up a little bit, you can recover, go faster." can't do that in a trail race. You know, when you get to a downhill, sometimes they're harder than the ups, you know, because, you, you know, you, you got to fight it. Otherwise, you're going to go down hard. And then, so you learn all this different stuff. Uh, the, diff the physiology is different. Um, you know, people well, walk I remember as, as a kid, I remember, you know, running on the roads and I don't know, let's say I'm running at eight minutes a mile on the road. And then I go out on the trail and I'm like, oh my God, why am I so slow? I'm doing like yeah. 10 minutes yeah. a mile. And yeah, it was you that had to explain. Yes. When you run on the trail, oh, your times yeah. are going to be a lot slower and you have to, and you have to keep that in mind. So I'll, that was, that yeah. was a big learning curve for me. And yeah, some that was really, some of the really good 12 years old, 13. Uh, yeah. Some of the really good coaches that we've got in the area, uh, you know, high school coaches and stuff like that at the time, I remember them telling me, you know, yeah, your time on the, if you're running on grass or dirt, it's going to be about 10 seconds a mile or so slower than if you're running, you know, on the road. And of course, trails, it, it, it's even, it's an even bigger variable. It's a, uh, it's just, you know, I mean, trails, you got to concentrate a little bit on watching your foot plant and where you're, where you're running. 
but it's you don't have to worry about traffic and that stuff, and, and it's just by yourself really. There's a zen to it. I mean, it really is. I mean, I just you know, it, it's time to be by yourself, and uh, and you don't care how fast you're going because, you know, uh, you're not you're not looking at what was that lap. You know, what's your split? Who the hell knows? Oh, know. I I care how fast I'm going. <laughs> I <No>. look. <laughs> You know, but it's harder to tell, and again, because the variables, yeah, the rain and stuff, and it's a, mm-hmm. you know, the track. I mean, you get on the track, and I like, I always like doing speed work on the track, and then, uh, then you were just a slave to that watch. But you know, you do it. I would do a trail run, and that look. What was my pace at the end? I'd look at it and say, oh, you know, how did I feel? I tend to run more how I feel when I'm in the woods, you know. And on the track, you run for time, different. Different show. Makes sense. I, I, so, um, I really encourage people to, you know, and, and I talk to them about the difference, you know, and just the impact. The old Newport Marathon, oh, the old Ocean State Newport Marathon, used to be a six mile loop and then two tens. And the 10 mile loops included that long stretch down Bellevue Avenue and Newport where all the mansions are. And the damn thing is concrete. That road there is concrete, not even asphalt, and I, and I never had a good race there. And I and I and it took me the longest time to figure out well why. You know, we used to run in racing flats, you know, marathons in flats on concrete, and your legs were gone by the third lap. And, and just the difference of concrete, asphalt, a track, dirt. You know, in terms of decreasing, you know, what are more forgiving, but the concrete is vicious. You start running on sidewalks and concrete, get off the, you know, get off the road, you know, get away, you know, don't focus on your watch, uh, you know, just run how you feel. And, you know, and then the next time out, see if you can run it a little better if you run the same course, but there's just so many different courses. I mean, it's just a, and that's the nice thing about trails. I ran one time at the, <laughs> uh, we were traveling and we went to the Grand Canyon and I got up at sunrise and watched the sunrise over the Grand Canyon. I thought, how cool is this? And the South Rim, and I had told Maureen, my wife, the uh, I'm going to go for a run after this, you know, I'll run along top of the South Rim and they uh, just run along the top. I'm not going to go down in, but just run. So, you know, I watched the sunrise. This is great. And I started a run, which was going to be a 10 mile run. And the first time I got to a little rise, a little rolling part, I thought, holy crap. I ended up walking. I said, who threw the piano on my back? Well, I, I didn't realize, <laughs> you know, I mean, I didn't realize you're at 7,000 feet. Yeah, 6,000 feet, yep. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, you, whoa. <laughs> so I learned that every, you know, the difference in the courses, the footing, the altitude, the, yeah, just, I should have just, you know, run how I felt. In that case, it would have been, a jog at best. That ten miler turned into a five. <laughs> so, you don't. So for you, the idea of ultras because it's all running against yourself is not as not as intriguing as the actual racing of like a ten k marathon, etc. In that in that realm, because I think that adds like a different challenge to it, right? Like you're always. It's sure it's does. all it's always that voice inside your head that's saying, I can quit now, like I can mail it in, or you can say, No, I gotta keep pushing, I gotta keep digging. And it's a, you're gonna it's you're gonna you're gonna push in both. Uh but 
you know, it's one of these that the first thing, when I ran, you know, the, it just seems to me it's more, I can finish this. I mean, to me, if I was gonna, if I was gonna run an ultra, my goal would be to finish it. I wouldn't give a rat's whatever, what the time was. I want just, can I do that distance? Because the distance itself is just so remarkable. You know, it's, it, it, it's for me, it's one of these, having died a thousand deaths in marathons, the idea of running <laughs> way past marathon distance. I'm not going there. Yeah, you know, but I know. you got to realize that, and, I, and I've said this to you, and Sean and I, I know say this, that ultras are not linear. And, you know, an ultra, like a hundred mile is not, is not four marathons, you know, in change. Okay. For, just forget the math. It doesn't work like that. It's, 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 I don't even know how to, Sean, how would you describe this? It, it's like an, it's like an evolution because how you feel at 25 miles has huh. nothing to do with how you feel at 50 miles, right? So w when it comes to when it comes to ultras, like if you compare like a hundred miler to a marathon, this is what I tell people all the time. I tell people the training for one and the other is not much different, right? The body can only so right. sustain so much training <laughs> per week before it breaks yeah. down, right? The execution yeah. of one race versus the other is completely different. Now a marathon, I will tell people flat out every time is the hardest race I've ever run. Mm -hmm. Right. Like Agreed. the, yeah. the ability to succeed and fail, that margin is so small. Like you, you go, you go a little too fast and that race is blown up. You go a little too slow and you'll never recover in a hundred miler. There's, there's errors that can be made and recovered from, but the mm -hmm. difference is that you have to have that mental fortitude to come back from a lot of those, the mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and not yeah. and not cash it in or mail it in or yeah. DNF yeah. and um, well it, bec it becomes a different different animal in that regard because it becomes as much as uh, a marathon is a mental a mental strain being able to sustain that pain for that you know two and a half to three and a half hours for for a lot of people right four hours um, being able to sustain that vice being able to sustain a level of pain for 24 hours is, is just different and being willing to want to want to get to that point and still being able to want to push in a hundred miler at mile 60 when everything has been hurting for 15 hours. Yeah, yeah. We, we always, we viewed it as when you run a marathon, it's like the tachometer on a car yep. and you know, and, and you got to get right up to the red line and stay there. You don't want to get into that red zone and you don't want to be as just as you're saying, you don't want to be too much under it, but you want to get right up to it and stay there, you know, and don't make those mistakes to surge or to back off, whatever, stay right there. And then, then it becomes for everybody at some point, you know, it, just to stay right at that red line is going to be really a, you know, an unbelievable effort mentally, it's not the physical part. But it is, you know, if you sit there and think that, well, I'm going to go a little quicker at the beginning, you know, I got my goal pace and, you know, my goal pace is 630 a mile. So I'm going to run the first whatever at 625 a mile to build up a little cushion to know that I'm going to fade. You're going to have a grim, you're going to have problems at yep. the end. Yep. Uh, you want to get right at that 630 and stay as close to it as long as you can. And the, uh, uh, and again, it's it's part 
the head part, but it's it's knowing your body, which is why we would do the track work. You know, you want to do the track work so, so that you know you can bang out a mile, mile after mile, you know, do mile repeats. You want to you want to bang those out and just know with your eyes closed what what pace you're running at. And right. I think, and you know, I always got the feeling that if I was running an ultra, I'd have to know, I'd want to know exactly what I was doing in my head. I needed to know what I was, I want to know what I was doing so that I wasn't taking too much out of the bank, you know. Uh, you know, and it's, again, it, it, we, uh, <laughs> our good friend, a uh, friend of ours, a friend of the family, he's the guy that wanted to run his first marathon. And he's not a runner. Uh, good athlete. And his, his two boys, Carlson's made. He has the twin, the identical oh, twins. Okay, got it. Yeah. Killer high school runners. He wanted to run a marathon. Yeah, nice guy. And I said, nice he guy. said, okay. And he said he wanted to get in. He wanted to, you know, he wanted to come in. You know, I, whatever, he, whatever his time was, he wanted to do it in. And I said, okay. Well, I did it the bad way. Because I told him, you know, Basically, I had him running about five seconds a mile quicker. Then I told him, "Don't wear your watch." I said, "I'll, you know, I'll tell you what you're doing." And I was looking at every split, and I just lied to him. And knowing, I figured he was going to fail. I figured he was going to, you know, he was gonna, really going to fade. And sure enough, he, he's he doesn't curse. He doesn't say bad words. He's a the, nice guy. Really nice about guy. The, about the 24 mile mark, he starts to walk at a water stop. I said, no, no, don't stop now. Don't stop now. I said, keep moving. You're going to tighten up. And he turned to me and he said, will you just leave me the F alone? <laughs> and I got him across under his goal time and I left him curled up on the infield of the track in a fetal position with a blanket on. <laughs> and it was, it was not a nice thing to do, but it just shows that if you, you know, that would think of that red line concept. And I, again, Conceptually, you know, for, for doing ultras, it's a, a, the mind part of it. Like you say, you, know, you can only run so many miles a week, so many miles a day, you know, whatever. And uh, uh, peaks and valleys, yeah, all that I think, sort of thing. I think you still think about ultras like you're running two marathons or four marathons or three marathons. It's just that that mindset, it does keep a lot of people from running <coughs> longer distances. Uh but, um, but yeah, it's maybe, you know, maybe in your next incarnation, you yeah. can, uh, you can try a few ultras. You'd love uh, it. I think. Uh, you would. I don't think so. I've had great fun running relay races you know, the, uh, where you run multiple times in a day, but the, uh, uh, the desire, yeah. one of the, a great relay race, Sean, if, if any of your guys want to do sometime the hundred on a hundred up in Vermont. You run 100 miles south on Route 100 in Vermont. You start okay. at the Trap Valley. You know, you start up at Stowe uh, by the Trap Family Lodge, and you run 100 miles south, and you finish at the top of Okemo. And they, uh, but you run everybody. There's six-person teams, and you all run three times, three different times during the day. Um, and the idea of of you know coming out and doing that third run <laughs> late in the day, which may be in the in the dark for some for a lot of people. Is really brutal, <laughs> and the idea of keeping. Who, I was gonna say, who's the lucky guy that gets the third leg up up Okemo uh, in Ludlow? <laughs> I had uh, the, the third leg that I did was uh, from the top of Killington, this you know, parking lot at Killington, okay. 
And the first, I don't know, two miles or so was kind of rolling. It was only a four and a half mile leg. It was kind of rolling. And then I had like a two and a half mile stretch, which was downhill off the mountain. And it was the third <laughs> time I'd run that day and my knee was bad. And I was old. Uh, I think the youngest guy on our team was like 56 or something at the time. So I was, <laughs> I was in my sixties. I had a bad knee and that two and a half mile downhill was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. It's just, uh, the, you know, the, every, the jarring part of it, but it was such a good, it was a great time. Absolutely. One guy had a, six, a 10K leg. That might have been, I forget, but it was a 10K leg almost all uphill. And they, uh, and they not steep, but just long and uphill going up one of the mountains. Uh, great race. Uh, if anybody, that's one that, that's one that people should do. They take great care of great party at the end. But <laughs> we were so old and so tired. We were too tired to drink beer. It was 9.30 at night. <laughs> So speaking of uh, speaking of partying, um, Marshall, to to wind us wind us up, tell Sean the story about the newscaster. We can leave her name out. And oh, no. uh, was it the New Year's the New Year's Eve uh, polar polar plunge? Every year, every year they uh, they do a, a run on New Year's morning, and they used to run from Johnny Kelly's house, Kelly the Younger in Mystic, <coughs> down to Groton Long Point. And they and they'd sit there and drink a little bit at Kelly's house to get started. A little bit, and, a little and bit, the, just to just a pack, little, just one beer. And the pack, but they get a couple, well, 100, 150 runners, and you know, and they would. Um, when you get down there, everybody runs together, so it's not a race. It's just everybody stays together as a pack, and so you run at the slowest pace. And they get down there, kick off the shoes, and go in. Well, the deal is, if you're going to go in. You got to go in three. You have to go completely under three times. Well, they're at Kelly's house, and the leader of one of the leaders, one of the, the key lunatics in the Mohegan Striders, somebody comes up and says, "Hey, they want to film us. You want to go on TV?" And he says, "Sure." Well, the the reporter at the time for Channel Three, uh, the CBS affiliate here in Connecticut, was Mika Brzezinski, who does the Morning Joe and went on to national news and all this sort of stuff. So much for leaving her name out. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. True story. The true story. And the uh, she showed, she wants to run the thing and do it. They said, okay, man. My my running buddy, the, the lunatic, says, yeah, look, and she's got her running stuff on, and she's fit. She runs, and okay, so that nice chat. So she jogs down with them. And everybody takes off their shoes and stuff, and on a count of one, two, three, they all go in. So they all go running into the water, and you know, and dunk, 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 and and then of course the water is like 34, 36 degrees. It's screaming wind and all this, and they, and so they come out, come on, you know, because they're filming this, and and she comes running out of the water, saying, "Oh, it's so cold." He looks, and she's only wet up to like her waist. So she, they hand her the mic. She takes the mic. She starts to interview him. Well, a couple of the other lunatics from the Mohegan Striders sneak up behind her, picked her up, and dunked her. <laughs> and she came up, and they dunked her again. Well, they said, as my friend says, she didn't look so good. Her hair sticking out the hair, the mascara. They never did the TV interview <laughs> after that. So the Mohegan Striders refer to it as the the day that they slam dunked Mika Brzezinski. <laughs> True story. The poor woman. <laughs> <laughs>
She, uh, yeah, she, uh, she, probably thought, she probably thought you guys were trying to drown her at that point. Uh, she <laughs> might have, and you know, God knows what those people, you know, <laughs> it's, a, they, uh, it's a great, there, there were, there have been a lot of good running clubs in New England and they, uh, and the Mohegan Striders, we just had our 50th anniversary as a club and they, uh, um, Mohegan Striders, Central Mass Striders, Warren Street Athletic Club, I mean, Hartford Track. I mean, you know, you can go on and on. A lot of really, really good running clubs, which contributes to wonderful running in New England. You know, it's, uh, uh, even, even, if, even for people that do ultras. <laughs> so now, as we, I think as we were wrapping up here, do you have one story that you would consider your greatest running story? Um, not to put you on the spot. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> no, it's it, it's probably. Hmm, that's really. There's <laughs> a lot. I mean, it's a. You know, it's a. Sometimes it's races. You know, I can think of races running with friends. Uh, sometimes it's breakthrough races. Uh, other times it's just wonderfully scenic runs. I guess. Way back, we went out the first time we ever went out. Maybe it's what I think about running and what I miss about it now is that the uh, we went out to Block Island and uh, it was a Columbus Day weekend. We were out for we were going to go out there for several days. This is way back and not much was open out there at the time. And the uh, and I got up, told my wife, as always, I'm going to get up at sunrise. I want to go out and watch the sunrise. So I ran up to the southeastern lighthouse. And, you know, and I ran out there up the hill and out by the lighthouse. I'm standing there on the point. And I looked, and sure enough, off to the east, there's the gold and the reds, the sun popping up over the ocean, which is always wonderful to see. You know, the silver, everything, all the colors over there. Well, when I, I looked off to the west, it was pitch black. Of course, it was still dark over there. And there was thunderstorms. And there was a big line of thunder showers. And so I'm looking, and the lightning is shooting out from the black over there. So I'm looking to one side, and I look, and there's the lightning, you know, and all this. And I look on the other side, the other way, and there's the golds and all this stuff, you know, from the sunrise. In between the two, where it was just starting to rain, was a double rainbow. So I'm sitting there thinking to myself, when in your lifetime are you ever going to see sunrise over the ocean, a double rainbow, and a line of thunder showers? And I thought, it doesn't get any better than this. So I stood there and watched it, and then I realized, oh, crap. Other than the lighthouse here, I'm the tallest thing out here. Now the <laughs> lightning and the thunder is crashing all around me. So I hot-footed it back down in the, this torrential downpour and, and, and you know and rainstorm. So it kind of yeah, it kind of it mixes in a lot of stuff. All the neat stuff you can see when you do go out and run, and some of the stupid stuff you can do as well. You know, so it was a nice mix, and I've never forgotten that run. And they, uh, uh, you just see. Yeah, or running. You see a lot of stuff. You meet a lot of great people. Go a lot of great places. Um, that probably is it. My, it certainly has to be. You know, the, the most unique. Even running at the Grand Canyon and places like that. Uh, that little run at Block Island, uh, probably the, the one that I'll remember. My buddy um, has a very similar picture that he took while running at the Grand Canyon. He did a rim to rim to rim. So. Yeah. Out, yeah. from, out from the south side, up north side, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, 
as it is typical, there's storms that pass through there every day at like <laughs> yeah, 3, yeah. 3, 3 p.m., right? So, sure. um, and he's coming up, he's coming back up the south rim. He's pretty low up and a storm's coming in and he's got a, a panoramic picture that he took that's got the storm coming across one side and like the beautiful like sunset coming on on the other side. And it's like all in the Grand Canyon, red colors. It's, it's a gorgeous photo that he took. So I tried to run... I tried to run in all 50 states, um, you know, and I, I got four to go. And I will, since I'm not running really anymore, they'll have to, I'll have to walk in those, but the, uh, what uh, do you have left? Well, the hard one to get to is going to be North Dakota because okay. why would you go there in the, uh, North Dakota? You've been Minnesota. to North Dakota though, haven't you? Didn't you drive through North Dakota? No, South Dakota. I've been to South Dakota. Oh, so great run. North, South, you know, what's the difference? In the Black Hills, a great run. But North Dakota, Minnesota, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And one of my hmm. good friends is now lives in Milwaukee. So, I, you know, it'd be a great place to, to finish and, you know, uh, go for a run, walk, and uh, and drink beer the, uh, with a friend. And they, uh, But, yeah, it's a uh, – my, uh, my fake knee uh, doesn't do it. For those people that think that running destroys your knees, I can tell you, you know, and I got one knee with all the miles I did. One knee is absolutely perfect. And the other one where I hurt it when I was like 18 years old, had surgery. You know, I've now got a titanium and plastic knee there. So I can run, but it just doesn't feel the same. It's wired differently. And they, uh, so uh, I do CrossFit. And, uh, well, and that knee, that knee injury is probably the reason I'm sitting here because it kept you <laughs> from Vietnam. It did. It yeah. Did. Yeah. I got my notice. I was in the first draft lottery and uh, I would have been, I didn't even have time to join a reserve unit. And they, uh, but it was about six months after my first knee surgery and uh, kept me out. So go figure. Yeah. yeah. And after that is when I started running. <laughs> it's not that bad knee. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, can, I, I recommend it. Uh, all the great stuff, great runs, and yeah. I can relate. I have uh, two two very bad knees. I went for um, when I started running, like I said later in life. Um, after swimming my entire life, yeah, I went and I went to the orthopedist, and I was like, "All right, I just want to <laughs> like, I want an MRI on my knees. Just want to see how they're doing and um, yeah. Yeah. see like see what's up." And I went in. They did an MRI and they're like, when do you want to schedule your like your surgery for your for your partial knee replacements? And I was like, I don't have any problems right now. It's fine. And they're like, well, we'll just schedule it. And I was like, no, we won't. No, so. no, no. I uh, it was I can remember my doc who ran as an un, as an undergrad. He ran for Michigan State and he and I were talking and he said, you'll know when it's time. And, you know, and I ran on it for a long time when I finally got about age 62. 62, 63, somewhere in there. I just, I, I couldn't even walk a half a mile. So that was when you, it's just not worth it at that point. And they, uh, uh, but I ran right up until then and, uh, uh, you know, just had to make adjustments as the knee went. But it is what it is. It's a, uh, I wouldn't trade it. Uh, I swam in high school. I, sw I swam for four years in high school. And hated it. And hated it. <laughs> and I hated it. It's that black line on the bottom of the pool. Man, is that boring. And if, and if you talk to people when you swim, you drown. <laughs> you know, running is so social. I mean, you talk to people when you run. and, uh, and uh, Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, in honor of your birthday, um, I have a song. I have a song for you that's going to that's going to take us <laughs> out. And it's and it is a Marshall running story, because I remember clearly as a kid going to these races with you on the weekend and we listened to Rolling Stones tattoo you <laughs> album on yep. the way to the race to get psyched. Cause, what cause, cause Marshall taught me you have to set the mood. Okay. And on the way home, we would chill out and listen to Willie Nelson. Yep. So, so in honor of your birthday today, the song that we're going to use to take us out is start me up. So I'm going <laughs> to thank you. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> thank you for talking to us. Thank you for sharing your running, running stories. And thank you for, imprinting a lifelong love hate and i would put the love over the hate <laughs> right now um, <laughs> of running and being outside and the whole experience because it's uh it's definitely one of the most special parts of my life it's good talking to you guys and uh, enjoyed it sean keep at it hang on to your knees <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming on it was awesome to hear your stories anytime great. anytime